need my matcha. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon. And we are being so treated today by the presence and the gifts and the energy and the wisdom of Miss Eva Clay, who has been in my space, in my sphere through various friends and erotic intimacy teachers who have recommended her many a time. And uh, today is the day where we are going to be listening to her juicy insight. Eva Clay, she is an acclaimed sexologist and psychotherapist whose mission is to illuminate the menage a trois of soul, sex, and science. She's helped thousands of people unlock their innate potential for pleasure. And as a former professor of neuroscience, awesome, she bodaciously reminds us that smart is sexy. Her work is an elegant marriage of the profound and the playful and has been a practitioner of sexual tantra for over a decade. Devotion. She's been featured as an expert in major media appearances, is a regular guest on Channel Q, and has appeared as a keynote speaker at the Wonderlust Yoga Festivals. It is so good to have you here today, Eva. Welcome. Thank you, dear. So happy to be here and drop some wisdom. Mm-hmm. So the first question that I love to ask, since this is mind-body musings, is mm-hmm. what are you musing about in life these days? What's really mm. piqued your interest? <laughs> well, I find this incredibly sexy. Uh, and what I'm musing on hard is getting women into positions of leadership and power in the world. Mm. And how to weave the erotic into the very matrix of feminine power because it is huge. It's a huge piece of our feminine power and how can we make that explicit? And how can I personally serve women who are already in positions of leadership by igniting their erotic power? Mm, mm, I love that. I was on your Instagram like an hour ago and um, I saw the the photo that you posted recently of a big vagina beating down Donald Trump. Was that right? Did I see that correctly? It was hilarious. I was like, this, this yes. is just so explicit. It's so beautiful. It was like in the ring. And it, I'll, I'll make sure that I include a, a, a link to that. So enjoy that art. Well, what is really cool about that image, I just want to like elucidate this, it's um, it's not obvious at first glance, but that vagina, that vulva is actually an old school anatomy drawing. It's like the drawing you would have seen in junior high Mm. when you were learning about anatomy, if you ever got to learn about anatomy. Um, And so it's kind of like the the old school um, feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, how our bodies and our sexuality has been broken down into anatomy and um, institutionalized and and medicalized. And that's actually what's beating down Donald Trump is the Mm. old version of femininity. Hmm. Can you explain that a little more? Um, What is the, um, so I I understand the, and thank you also for saying vulva instead of vagina, that's um, an old habit still of breaking that. Um, What does that mean, the the old version, just to clarify and crystallize that a bit? What's the difference between the the new version? The old version, well, 
because I'm a sex educator, I would see into that image immediately is that all of the pleasure anatomy has been left out. So all you see in these old drawings, these illustrations that you might've seen in school are missing the very most important parts of a woman's vulva and her whole clitoral structure, her vestibular bulbs, her erectile network. It's like, I literally have OBGYNs. I've had two take my courses and enroll in my year long programs because they're not learning pleasure anatomy in medical school. I have another, um, actually two other doctors who are in my programs right now, not OBGYNs, but physicians. And they say, yeah, you know, we don't learn this. Hmm. And so that's what I feel is knocking down what to me represents a parcel of the patriarchy, which is Donald Trump. And yeah. some of your listeners might disagree and that's okay, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that, that's how I see it. And so when I say the old version of femininity and what we used to learn about what it is to be a woman and what it is to be embodied and actually empowered with knowledge about our body mm-hmm. that i think uh, is phasing out mm-hmm. and we're bringing in a new way of embodying ourselves and prioritizing our pleasure and that is the core and the key to a woman's power yeah yeah it's so beautifully said um Yeah, and I love the intertwining between this pleasure revolution with uh, leadership and bringing the women into even more into power and leadership and these roles that we need to be in. And now, you know, we have a vice president who's a woman and there's so much to celebrate there and that's going to have this ripple effect. I just trust that. Um. Yeah, so I love that. And I have a feeling that conversation will be interwoven into our chat today. And I really want to get to this question that it's been on my mind for a while now. I have a feeling a lot of my listeners are going to be stoked to finally hear this covered. (laughs) And um, that question is, and yeah, I'll explain a little bit more, but the, the base of the question is, how does someone, a woman who is eager to give birth naturally in relationship with a man able to date in her third in her 30s 35 36 or 37 39 uh you know we can add the layer on top with there's the pandemic and everyone (laughs) has to be uber careful now how can she find this part of herself that can quote let go of expectation stop trying to find the one when you're not looking he comes when there's actually a very real you know ticking talk ticking clock <laughs> ticking talk <laughs> um ticking clock and um and be, you know, be present in dates. How do you be present in dates when you actually have a mission and you need to know, is this guy ready? And, you know, does he want to have a kid? Is he my person? So we'll start there. Um, any initial thoughts on that question? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I love this question and it, it's such a big one. And I'm in this conversation every day in my practice and in my courses. And first, I just want to say, if you are a woman, um, and you, you feel like that window is cl- beginning to close for you, like you're in your late 30s, early 40s, and you're feeling this pressure to, first of all, hold your heart very tenderly in this, that if you do carry the mother archetype, and that is a deep desire of yours, um, 
what a blessing, what a blessing and a gift you are to the planet. And I love you. Mm. And I believe that when women learn about their physiology, their biochemistry, it's incredibly empowering and it puts them in mastery. I believe, now I'm a scientist, you know, so I'm gonna drop science. And I believe that the kind of holy grail of womanhood is emotional self mastery, meaning not to suppress or repress or deny or withdraw from your emotional being, but to embrace it so deeply and so succulently that you have a relationship with your emotional body mm. and you can name and you can articulate the ribbons of neurohormones that manifest as emotion that run through like threads in your body. When we don't know what the hell is happening to us, we feel intensely, but we don't know why. We, are, we go into contraction, we go into convulsion, we go into explosion, and our emotions are hijacking us. That drains a woman's power. It makes us less available for the deep love we truly want. It makes us less attractive. Mm. And now I don't mean being emotionally embodied. Of course, that's incredibly magnetic and beautiful. Yes, 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 sisters. But when you're melting down uh, a, a train wreck, uh, a whole lot of drama going on in your life, and that's mastering you, then you're not in your full power as a woman. So if you're in this position where you're dating and you definitely want motherhood, you don't know how to do this. Um, this is a metaphor I use and I call it ditch the frame. Let me explain further. When you're sitting across from a man and we're, um, we're all, we're speaking heteronormatively in this conversation. Okay. Um, when you're across from a man, it's, um, part and parcel of our hormonal drives to hold that interaction within a particular frame. We're often asking ourselves, could he be the one? Could he be the father of my children? Is this going to work out or not? And that frame, the structure of that line of inquiry is, uh, um, will extinguish, will extinguish the divine contact contract between you. It, it crushes the possibility of that exchange and that possibility. So when I say ditch the frame and just be present in your body and feel him um, and replace the question of, could he be the one? Could he be the father to my children? And instead hold the question in your body of what is our exchange? What is the, the nature, the texture, the, ten, the tenor, the, the feel, the tone of our exchange? And how does he feel in my body? How much pleasure can I possibly experience in this moment when I'm in relatedness with him, when I'm sharing field with him? How much pleasure do I experience in my body? And now getting there, of course, you want to do all the screenings. You know, if you're dating online, which pretty much everybody's dating online these days because 
how are we going to meet, right? So mm -hmm. there's a lot of online activity. If you're screening, you know, hopefully you know that he's interested in a family, that he's interested in marriage and partnership. Mm. And understand, so I want to come back to understand how your neurohormones shape your reality. Understanding that is everything because estrogen has an agenda. And estrogen's agenda is to get you to procreate, essentially. Two things that estrogen does to procreate and to belong. Mm. Mm. And yeah. yeah, because in order for us to procreate effectively and to have children and raise them in a tribe and be enveloped in the support and the resources of that tribe, we need to belong. We need to belong to it. And so in order to belong to that tribe and in, ensure the propagation of our offspring, we often will modify ourselves in order to achieve that belonging. So I call estrogen the great compromiser. Estrogen makes us change who we are fundamentally so that we're accepted. And that's its adaptive function. Now, mm, it's adaptive if we're living in a tribal culture. If we're hunters and gatherers, you know, you definitely like, you don't want to wander off and when you're pregnant and have a baby by yourself on the savannah, because you might get eaten and probably your child will die. So estrogen says, no, 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 no. Conform to the social norms and the conditions of the tribe that you're in so that you get the support and the protection and the resources you need to bear a healthy child and then to nurture that child to adulthood. So we're now living in a modern culture where we don't necessarily need to do that. We have a different set of conditions around us, but estrogen will still drive a woman for acceptance and belonging. So I'm gonna tie all these things in together. Um, and that's partly what's so great. I just wanna plant this seed for your younger listeners. Once you start getting into menopause and your estrogen declines, you stop giving a fuck. It's so liberating. <laughs> you really feel like, oh my God, I spent all those years trying to be perfect or make people happy or be loved. And, um, and now I'm liberated from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. I love that. Um, but so estrogen, so your estrogen's gonna mm, like sort of surge through you, especially if you're, you're ready to conceive, you know, your body is fertile psychologically. You're wanting, you know, to, to, to birth and be a mother. So it's going to drive you to make some concessions in your choices in your mate as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So knowing that, um, um, how do I want to say this? Develop a relationship with your estrogen. When you're sitting across from a man and you're, you're feeling attracted, you're feeling curious. And, and what estrogen will do is it will actually, <laughs> it's going to activate a part of your brain called the default network. Here's how that works the default mode network starts to play movies, mm. starts to play movies in the brain of what could potentially happen. Okay, in psychology, we call this fantasy. I like to call the default mode network the fantasy factory. So we're sitting across from a man, oh, he smells good. And then we have a great first date, you go home that night, what's going on? 
the wheels are turning you're dreaming you're fantasizing i just you met to, my husband i can't he could be the one you call all your friends you can't sleep you stalk his social media what's he doing on instagram this is all estrogen surging through your body creating the fantasy creating the condition of loving someone before you even know him at all mm -hmm. estrogen compels you to fill in the blanks of what's missing in your information ecosystem so you know you only know a little bit about him like you might look back on his online profile against his social media and you think you have a picture of him because estrogen is saying tick tock lady get on it mm. okay so estrogen is that compelling force so when i say get in touch and build a relationship with your estrogen so that when all this stuff starts happening you can go ah okay like i know what is going on here this is sort of like uh, a, a, a hallucination of my hormones. It's a hormonal hallucination. I just made that up. <laughs> hormonal hallucination. hallucination. That's great. <laughs> but when you know that's happening, you understand it's not necessarily reality. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, it's uh, the metaphor I draw with this is like for, for women, we have cycles every month and we have hormonal cycles. And when you're in your premenstrual cycle, the week before your period, Sometimes you feel kind of crazy, like you're moody, you're, you're angry, you're weepy, you're whatever. And when you know what that is, you're like, oh, I'm PMSing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get that. Okay, this is what I need in order to care for myself during this time. Not going to make any big decisions. I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to like lay low, whatever that is for you. Do the same when you're dating. Mm -hmm. Understand that when the estrogen is surging, what are the self-care practices you need in order to stay grounded? And to be able to sort of witness the estrogen flare, as I call it, like you're watching a train, but you're not on it. Mm. You know, to coin the, the Buddhist practice of, you know, watch the train of your thoughts go by, but you're not on that train. You're just observing that. So same with oxytocin. You know, oxytocin is like so intoxicating, right? Like, let's say you have a first date, there's a kiss, Let's say there's some kind of physical interaction and your bodies are co-regulating together and you're experiencing pleasure. Let's say you have sex even, and oh my God, the fantasy factory is off the charts. Mm. And that's because your estrogen is now synergizing with your oxytocin and it's creating a perfect storm. Nature has an agenda for you. Actually, this, this elixir, uh, it's like in an elixir of obsession. Hmm. And okay. like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it can be quite uncomfortable when you're in it because then yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't text. Mm -hmm. Hold back. Mm -hmm. Where did he go? He's seeing someone else. You see him on Instagram. Why isn't he calling you? You know? Um, so it, it can be somewhat of a torment. So understanding how this elixir works is really empowering. Um, and then when I'm going to get back to the whole motherhood thing, um, when, when you're, I call it like when your ovaries are quivering, like you really are ready to have a baby and you're really looking for that one, understand that your estrogen is spiking. It's peaking, mm -hmm. it's spiking. So that kind of hallucination that I talked about is going to be extra strong. Wow. Yeah. It's so already so strong. 
is already so strong. The 20s, like all throughout the 20s, it's like feels like so it's stronger than that than even like the college. Ah, oh, he's the one post college. He's the one. Yeah, because then like, let's look at the psyche, you know, because then it commingles with this belief system of uh, I'm under pressure now to do this. And if I don't find a man and have a child, what does that mean about me? And we can look at like how, how some deep core beliefs then begin to inform the physiology and we weave in a sense of anxiety. Can I ask a, a little question here? Yeah. How have you found maybe even science wise women can distinguish between it being hormones driving the desire to have a child versus them actually wanting it and it's a goal that's a really good question and i think there's a knowing Mm. i think there's a knowing and this is anecdotal okay so um I don't know of any real science around this. Like there's no like test that you can take, <laughs> like take a blood test. Do I want this or you're not? Because just... <laughs> I'm a woman or? Wouldn't that be great if you're like, is this the hormones or yeah. is this actually my spiritual path? The modern day one is going to a psychic and being like, what's in my future? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I wish there was a test. Um, so I, I think it's a, you know, it's a knowing. I, I think mm, this is my personal belief that many women are born into the path of motherhood, you know, and they, they know from very early in their life that they, that that's their path, that that's kind of a destiny of theirs. And the one thing I, I like to say to women is understand that your mothering and your nurturing may not be for a child. You know, that mothering and nurturing might be for a project or animals or another person's child or, you know, that, mm-hmm. that if you have a calling as a nurturer and that may or may not mean it's a child of your body. Um, my best advice around that, around like, is it, is it my hormones or is it my knowing is to breathe, to breathe into that deeply, deeply and regularly. And also understand the outside influences that are pressing in on, on that reality. So if like we, we took a, a pie chart, you know, and we look at like what creates our reality, what creates the lens through which we see the world and ourselves. You know, I really feel like it's important to emphasize the physiology of our reality because so much of that is often left out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also looking at how we're acculturized and socialized. And so um, I work with a lot of women that will say, yes, yes, I want a child. It's like my clock is ticking. Um, my parents are pressuring me. I, like in my family, everybody has children. And then they, once they hit like 45, they're so glad they never had kids because they realize all along it was like this outside pressure in on them. So getting really, really clear at the most subtle level of what feels true for you in your path. Isn't that the, the whole goal of all spiritual practice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I can imagine that some people would have the fear that if they chose, if, if that um, core knowing was, no, I don't want to have a child, that then the what ifs, what if I'm 60 and I regret it? And what if I, you know, I'm on my deathbed and it's really the only thing I ever wanted. Um, 
And again, like, well, one, I don't think that would happen. I don't think that would happen. I think when we're dying, it's going to, we're, we're probably going to have lived such a long life. We're going to be like, oh, all right, just take me. I'm, I'm ready to go back into the ether from where I came. But if that's so happened to be the case, again, that's another beautiful place to lean into of like gratitude for all the ways you did mother and all the things you did create um, and all the places that you you leaned into and were meant to lean into instead of having the child. And like also let that that thought, that that yearning that you may have when you're 70 break you open too. Just like all the lovers that you never ended up marrying. Like the end of the day, we're going to be broken open by every single thing. Well, you're going to be like, thank God. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can imagine. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I'm 49. So I'm speaking to you Mm. from from this stage of life. Um, But going back a little bit, like about ditching the frame, because I really mm-hmm. want to honor the women who are, in, you know, in this yeah. space. I really want to honor them and like, and really give them tools. Mm-hmm. So d- ditching the frame, if you're sitting across from a man and you've got that inquiry running through your body of, is he the one, is he the one? You are dimming your radiant light. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you're going to become less magnetic to him and, and to everything in life because there, it, what that question does is it creates contraction in the body because it creates anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it makes you impenetrable. Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. So Can you explain it. that for people who are, are unfamiliar with that kind of concept? Yeah. Uh, you know, very fundamentally, uh, the masculine looks for a place to penetrate, looks for, looks for a soft place to penetrate. And if he's not able to penetrate you energetically, meaning you're not opened, you're not softened, you're not receptive to him, not only to him, but to also what is called the phenomenological field between the two of you. The, the unique, magnificent current that the two of you are co-creating in real time. If you're not participating in that, in a way where he feels you are receiving him, then there's nowhere for him to go. And if you're looking to conceive a child, hmm. <laughs> you must be in a a penetrable state, an impregnable state, I'll Mm. even say. So let's weave in the word fertility here. Because if you're a woman looking at this question, this is is really hot, your fertility. How fertile are you to relationship? Ask any man, he does not wanna be interviewed as your baby daddy. Is like I work with a lot of men, and I I run a lot of their online profiles. It's amazing. It's so much fun to you know, to to serve these guys, and uh, they see women like that, and they run the other direction. Like women who are, you know, they they feel that like the grasping, mm-hmm. the, the 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 anxious kind of grasping of like I'm 37, I need to have a baby now. Are you my are you my baby daddy? Gone. So can you relax and actually even just imagine becoming, this is going to sound crazy, okay, but I feel like I can go here, become a cervix. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
you know, a healthy cervix is a beautiful, round, plump, juicy, sticky, gooey kind of donut, you know, with like a little tiny hole. It's like a donut with a little tiny hole in the middle. So can you become that, that cervix and even imagine yourself sort of throbbing or there's this like a little movement here in the cervix because that's what the seed penetrates and can you hold that in your body can you run your energy vertically up and down through your body so that when you're with him you become this irresistible target Mm. and relating from that space And you can also hold in your mind, of course, your discernment. Like you don't want to go on a date with just every guy. Like you like, you know, screen him, make sure he's in the running. Mm. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So how do you bring that ooey gooey pulsating cervix energy to the bumble platform yes yes i have been nailing this it's been so fun since the pandemic um you know all my clients are dating online and um wow i have developed a whole art and science to this it is so interesting we need it we need it out there (laughs) we really do need it and you know i i i run online uh profiles for both men and for women so i'm seeing what's happening behind the scenes on both sides and so how to create that um visually is a great way to create that with your photos because of course men are going to look at your pictures first Mm -hmm. They're, they're visual visual creatures so have some fun put on some different outfits look in the mirror and become a cervix i can't believe we're talking about this it's kind of crazy but i'm just gonna go with it i love it it. (laughs) look up like google cervix probably most women have never seen a cervix Mm. you know much less their own but look at a cervix and like uh, how can you dress in that way? How can you move in that way? And have a girlfriend take some pictures, set up a date, or some mm. picture, a picture-taking date, or even hire someone. But you know, you could do it with your girlfriends on your phone, and and communicate to him through your body. You know um, what you're open to, how your body experiences pleasure. How do you run the pleasure current through your body? Make sure that most of your photos online are photos of you in movement. Mm. Yeah, first of all. Um, And make sure that they're natural, not overly made up, not overly done. Um, All all the men I work with are looking for women who haven't, you know, put filters all over their photos and airbrushed themselves. And um, so they they want you at your authentic, raw, um, mm, Mm. uh, undulating self. And then in your text, you know, in your, in the copy that you put into your profile, which now it's like less and less with all the apps, you know, between Bumble and Hinge and all these apps that everybody's on. There's like, you know, two sentences that Uh you can put in each question. Um, uh, Yeah, that might be another conversation, but that's a whole art in and of itself is um, expressing what you love. So the one little tip I'll give if you're online dating and uh, you really want to become a mother, express what you love. And if he feels like he can make you happy, he's going to respond positively to that. 
what not to put in your online profile is I want this, I want that, I don't want this, and I don't want that. So those hard edges are very aversive to men and even men that could be potentials for you. So instead, effusively express, effusively ooze mm. that which you love. And he is going to be irresistibly magnetized to you because you're running something through your body that he doesn't have as great of access to. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. mm. Such beautiful tips. I mean, all of that. Um, becoming a cervix is like my favorite thing that we've talked about today. <laughs> it, just is, it does it. It does the trick. I'm like, yes. Okay. That I've is, actually, that I've actually it. never said that to anybody else before. So, it just came through. It's <laughs> so good. I've, um, I've, I've had long ago. I had London Angel winners on here. Wonderful. And, um, she talked about when you're on a date, feel your cervix say yes or no, like feel her open or feel her contract. Mm -hmm. And I love this, this mindset. Cause it's like you, the whole thing, you are the cervix. Like, are you opening or are you contracting? And, and you know, yeah. the contraction on a date could, could mean that he's not for you, but can you open through that contraction, like, and be available to love in that, in the date? And that's yeah. it. But yeah, showing up as love in the date as an open pulsing cervix. Yeah, I love that she used the cervix thing too. That's fun. Yeah, it's a really beautiful, <laughs> you know, I love this and um, wonderful. That's a wonderful point of like being in movement in your photos and not having all these filters on, not saying what you want and don't want. I know personally for myself, when I'm looking, when I'm on there and I see men who say swipe left if you blah, 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 you know, swipe left if you voted for this person or swipe left if you don't like sarcasm. Um, I swipe, I mean, I swipe left and it's not because of what it is they're saying, but it's because they're talking about what they don't want. And it's not like I'm consciously like, oh, they're writing about what they don't want. My body's just naturally like, no, 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 like to all of the people who do that. Yeah. So of course, vice versa, you know, it's yeah. the same thing for the men on the other end. They want to know what brings you to life. Yes. What sparks joy, what moves pleasure through your body. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's okay to also have your discernments. Like I said, you know, um, if you really want a child, make sure he's a yes to that before you even go on that date. Uh, I, I don't recommend bringing it up on their first date. Mm. You know, there, okay. there. Okay, so there, there are some school schools of thought that would say like right away, tell them, you know, be clear. This is what I'm interested in before we go any further. Is that, and I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I find that just in like 25 years of doing this, I, I don't think that it really works. I think you just eliminate a lot of possibility in the exchange. Mm -hmm. um, so first date, let the first date be nonlinear. Let it be a feeling state. Feel, feel him. Just feel him, taste him, savor him. Non-linear date. That's beautiful. Have fun. Yeah. Oh my God. Have fun with him. And then from there, you know, it feels like a, if he felt good uh, from the second date on, maybe then talk about, you know, these, these are my really explicit goals. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think as a masculine also, he just needs to feel good in your presence. 
you know, he just needs to feel like you, you um, activate something in him that he can't activate himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe you activate his feeling state. Mm-hmm. So I know, let, let's string together a couple of different concepts that we've covered so far. Okay, so because I want to create a like a cohesive set of tools for your listeners. Um, so we talked about ditching the frame and replacing the inquiry of, is he the one with how much pleasure can I possibly experience in his presence? And expand that and expand that. And even if being in his presence is uh, agonizing, (laughs) or there's something about him that is like just such a complete no, how can you find pleasure in that moment through your breath? through your senses, through your sensual being, through the stroke of your own hand underneath the table. Mm. And even That's humor. The humor. I, yeah. I, my, my go-to is always humor of like, this is going to be a great, great story. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, been there. Yes. Get it. Um, so ditching the frame and, and understand like, can, what are the practices that you need to roll back that frame and get into mastery of your emotional being, which means to feel it and to not necessarily see that as your reality. So you might feel this surging estrogen, grabbing anxiety. Oh my God, is this ever gonna happen for me? I need to make this happen. I just breathe that down, manage that anxiety. That's not gonna work in your favor when it comes to relating. Yeah. Become the cervix and communicate, <laughs> communicate from that cervix. So be, be a point of pleasure that he wants to impregnate. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't forget your discernments. So uh, my clients, the women I work with, they have a mantra, two mantras. <laughs> One of them is go into every engagement with the mantra of I'm safe, I'm loved, and I belong. I'm safe, I'm loved, I belong. So this directly addresses estrogen because these are the points that estrogen is most concerned with, your safety, your lovability, and your belonging. Oh, that almost makes me want to like tear up a little bit. It like it hits a very tender place in my body and my heart of like safety, being safe and being belonging and being loved like all of that is um, primally speaking of course but also I think every single one of us in our own lives have felt the total opposite and so giving ourselves that mantra and like you said every aspect of life every engagement what a powerful uh, gift to give yourself yeah it it's um it's a profound mantra. It hits, I, I won't go into all the neuroscience about it, but just suffice to say, it hits all the points we really want to hit for a woman. So I really encourage you and all your listeners to use that. I'm safe. I'm loved. I belong. Deep breath. And then the other one, is he good enough for me? Literally lean back, put your queen's crown on girl and assess like, is he, is he at my frequency? Is he vibrating at my frequency? Is the, the energy that he's outputting, does it match? Does it resonate? Does it, um, 
here, here's the thing. Dating today for women, you're going to have to become a kingmaker, period. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you meet like, like a very exceptional situation, <laughs> you're going to make him a king. That's just it. And I, I feel like this is the essential skill set for women today, if you're, even if you're partnered. Um, is, is really how to align and position yourself in a way that um, elicits his best self and, and his masculine energy. So um, that to me, I think is required training for all women these days. So lean back and, and just feel though, does he have the integrity? Does he have the makings? Now he's going to fuck up. He's going to do all the wrong things. He's going to say the wrong things. He's going to not text you the next day. He's going to like, he's going to have a terrible profile online. Anyone who's dated online and looked at these profiles, it's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? That's what it's going to be. It's all right. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but does he have the, in his essence, in his core, the essential sense of integrity to himself and to you that you can work with? I don't mean to change him, but I mean to evoke from him the best of what he's got. Does he have the ingredients or is he willing to adopt them? That's the question. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wow. I am so grateful to you right now for saying you're going to be a kingmaker. It's like that was a truth that I feel you know, it's kind of in the murky waters of my body of like, do we find the king or like, do, because I know that, yeah, we build upon each other, our pleasure and our magnet, our pleasure and magnetism and love for life and zest inspires his leadership. Like it keeps building onto each other to create this luscious polarity. And there is definitely a mindset that I've had and I've noticed in um, you know, this conscious community of like, we, you know, there's the, the different stages of a man, a man, kings to the kingdom by Alison Armstrong talks about like the, the, the prince, there's something and then a prince and then a king. And um, I've had conversations with, with my girlfriends and they've reflected to me, well, you know, he's a prince, you know, he's a prince, he's a prince, kind of in a, in a, you know, you're a queen, you know, and he's just a prince. So nothing, you know, I'm glad that I've left those relationships with the princess that I was with. And there's a really beautiful thing to, to, to lean into there that it may feel always to the queen that these men are princes on the rare exception. And it is part of the role that relationships we, we enter into of being the the kingmaker and and most likely him, perhaps the queen maker, <laughs> hold holding her even more tightly and and not putting up with her bullshit and leading into her leading her into her heart even more to help her become that queen more so. But I love that because that's not something that I'm going back to the women who are looking for the ma- the man that they're going to be with to make that baby. They may be really expecting that he'll be a king in order to make a baby with her. He needs to be a king as well. And that sounds like a lot of expectation. It's a massive illusion we need to drop. Mm-hmm. That your king is going to come ready-made. He's not. He's just not. Again, with rare exception. So that's why I really believe, like, you know, I love Alison Armstrong's work and, and many others, you know, for training this 
uh, I've studied it all. And this is just the reality of the, the moment in time that we're in right now. Look for, does he have the ingredients? <laughs> um, does he have, you know, it's like baking a cake. Does he have the ingredients to bake the cake? Mm -hmm. Basically, and as the queen, you're gonna bake it. This is just the reality. And in part, like I appreciate what you said about, um, and hopefully he's a queen maker and leads you deeper into your emotional body and all of that. Yes, yes. And it, it, it's also through the act of king making that we ascend to our queen, queen's throne. Mm -hmm. like the, 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 for really powerful women today, I, I consider you one, you know, women who are leaders, you know, alpha women learning to lead from behind that this is it. Like if, if we lean back and, and wait for our Prince Charming to arrive and sweep us off into the horse and let him lead us, mm. you're going to go through a string of disappointments. Mm. And then that it's, it's sort of soul crushing. Like, where are the men? This is what I hear. Where are the men? Where are they for us? Where are the kings? Well, they're there, but like, you're going to make him. And learning to do that really skillfully and really honoring yourself through it and learning to discern the difference between a fixer upper <laughs> or changing mm -hmm. a man mm -hmm. and simply amplifying those qualities that are already there inside of him mm -hmm. and doing it in such a way that he doesn't even know you're doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the key. That's the key. Yeah. Today. The way in a way that he doesn't even know you're doing it. Mm, that's important. And I love that Stop. we're talking about this on Friday the 13th. Because um, I. It's a witchy day. <laughs> it is, which I didn't know this, that the third, um, I forgot, it. a friend sent this to me just before this podcast um, that the Friday the 13th was really the day of a d the divine feminine and mm -hmm. the powerful women and and queens and goddesses would would be in bed with their king and their lover and their warriors as much as they could on this day to prepare them and send them into battle being like nice and mm -hmm. fed and nourished mm -hmm. their masculine essence because of her beautiful feminine generosity and love making <laughs> and uh i really resonated with that like this the word devotion for me is very important in my life and learning how to um to be devotional to the masculine is is a a, a challenge but also a, a like an innate gift and an innate ability i think that's often what it is the thing that we have the most resistance to and challenges with is where a lot of our brilliance lives. And as powerful alpha women, as women in general, who are going in their own heroine's journey, part of that, the, you know, the, the circling back around is learning how to be humble in your gift of making the king and, mm -hmm. and doing it. And like you said, in a way that he doesn't even realize you're doing it. <laughs> yes, it's the sacred art of seduction. Mm. So, I love hearing you in, in talking about devotion. And that to me is a particular archetype of erotic feminine, you know, the devotional, like the Sita. I, I work with the Hindu pantheon of goddesses because I'm tantric. So that's this, you know, the Sita, the deep devotion. And um, corollary to that is that the seductress, and that's primarily what I work with. 
-hmm. So it's like, how can we so skillfully and subtly at the, at the level of the subtle seduce forward his power and, and invoke in him? It's almost like just blowing on a little ember that's inside of his heart, mm. but doing it from the back of the room. You know, um, Could you give us an example, like something <laughs> you've done or... Mm. <laughs> so much, so much. Let me think of something that's even moderately appropriate to say. <laughs> mm. Well, I know for me, um, this has been a big journey because I've been a therapist, a psychotherapist for 25 years and a teacher and I like, you know, I'm full, like I'm as alpha as they get. So in my edge in relating is to not teach. And um, that's something I've been guilty of in the past and it hasn't ever gone well, right? Like when you try to teach a man, but it's like so reflexive for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, I and sometimes they're so clueless. It's like, oh my God, are you serious? You don't know that? Okay, let me, let me just teach you how to do it. And um, it's really like the last thing you wanna do to, to a man. Uh, so um, I have learned how to instead seduce his skills from him. So. Um, expressing my faith in his ability and his capacity to resolve his own problems. That's been a, a, a big practice of mine. Let me demonstrate for mm. you. Okay, so um, he's got an issue. He's got something going on in his life that like I know the answer to. It's so clear. So instead, I will put on my feminine pleasure body, take a deep breath, Oh, God, and the body is such an important communicator, right? You know that. You know exactly that. But letting that feminine undulation roll through my body is half of it. And saying to him, you are magnificent. I know you're going to figure this out. Mm. <laughs> Why, yes, I will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I felt that. I could feel that. Mm. Mm. Um, so I'm trying to think of your listener, though. Your listener who wants to have a baby. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe even the person that they've been seeing for four months that they met on a dating app doesn't really know four months in if they want it or not. Mm -hmm. mm. So, okay, in these situations, I like to say, seduce his protector, seduce his provider. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because if you're looking for a father, you know, for a father of your child, you really want these things to be installed already or um, uh, that there's a potential for those features protection and provision let's be smart about it girls if you're not already thinking on that level i want you to because when you when you have that baby you're going to need it protection and provision and so expressing what you love expressing what you love and expressing it through your body okay so um case in point i have flowers right here i got from someone last night 
Um, I let him know that I love flowers. I let him know um, a while ago, I love flowers. I love red roses. Look what I got. Red roses. <laughs> I love red roses. So in a text, which is mostly how we're communicating, um, we have these wonderful emojis that you can use as well. So something like, mm, I love red roses. Mm. Ha you know, happy face, happy face, heart, heart, heart. After that, so that he can feel, he can like actually have access to your feeling body through the text. And then how the red roses make you feel. It just lights up my day makes me so happy when I see them. I love the smell of red roses. Weave, you know, weaving in the sensual into your request. So the difference between, in, in my book, I know, I know that there's a lot of literature, there's a lot of ideas ar around about this, but in my book, the difference between a request and a seduction is how it's run through your body. Because a seduction is, is, is an embodied request and it's often nonverbal and never even spoken. A, a seduction is the way that you respond to what he brings you. So if you're looking for a provider and a protector and uh, he goes to get the bill on the date, the way that you ripple your gratitude through your body, oh, oh thank you. Mm. You know, and let it be authentic. I'm dramatizing now, but I really want this to be authentic for you. Receive that and let that gratitude, let that, mm, that yumminess you just paid for our whatever, our meal, let that roll through your body. And that's going to ding, <laughs> that's going to land in his masculine reality and his masculine consciousness very strongly. And he's going to keep providing that. That lights up his dopamine centers. Mm. That's his reward. He gets a hit of dopamine every time you express your pleasure in response to something he's offered. So to me, the difference between a request and a seduction is how it's run through the body. Mm. Mm. Yes, oh, seduction is an embodied request. That's so light bulby. Like I, I get it. Like I, it just, my whole body lights up. And I love that you're using the word seduction. Um, I, I've often talked about the art of revealing, you know, and that brings expressiveness and, and revealing what's on the inside on the outside. But um, this is really juicy. This is what we're, we're getting into the land of using our, mm -hmm. our, our revealing and our sex together. That that's when they're meeting. That's what seduction is, is bringing that innate feminine pleasure with the revealing which is more specific and I think that's what that's what we're here to do right now is reclaim our pleasure and lead with the feminine in our in our heart and that crucial ingredient that women have intimate access to in the way that men do not and uh even the thank you like I have uh, for the bill I have so many memories of like just a really weird relationship myself to the bill and I've worked through it in all these different ways, but I like for like, there's still definitely a part of me that um, feels like a, a it's so weird. It's so weird. It, it's a, cause I I'm hungry for a, a protector provider, man, that kind of energy is so sexy to me. 
And of course, that's the place where when it happens, which it happens often that he will reach for it and pay for it, my breath stops, stop breathing. And um, I've worked on that of really bringing in breath and, and giggling. You know, you dramatized it. Mine's very much similar to that of, oh, thank you. I'll bring in some kind of, often I'll bring in like a, a, a gopi energy, like this, <laughs> like play, play, playful, thank you. Cause that's really served me in allowing my expressiveness to come out in that regard. And I also love the seductive, thank you. That's really saucy. And I'm sure that would inspire and turn on his green light even more. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's another word that I want to weave in here because I hear you talking about reveal and then I'm talking about seduction and that is enchantment. Mm. And, and, and these are all um, what I call like the, the lost feminine arts. And this is what I teach in my signature course, the Aphrodite circle, which is really about how to cultivate a sense of allure and captivation mm. and enchantment inside of your erotic feminine power. So it's, it's not necessarily using your sexual energy. It's using your erotic power, which is different. And it, it's part of the great gift of the feminine is to learn how to enchant, not in a manipulative way, but in a way that actually enchants the best out of everyone in every situation. And you can look at great enchantresses over time. Like um, my favorite is Cleopatra, who was a great seductress and enchantress. Mm. And she enchanted her way through one of the most epic eras of leadership in human history, you know, her reign over Egypt. And, uh, you know, anyway, I could go on about Cleopatra and all the great things that she did in her leadership, but she, you know, she had four children, two from um, Caesar and three from Antony, his best friend. And, you know, she was just fully this like polyamorous mother. And um, so to enchant, to enchant means to actually use your energetic gifts to lift somebody out of their current story, out of their ordinary reality and into a non-ordinary reality so that they can innovate and create and discover new parts of themselves, new sets of strengths and skills that they might not even be in touch with. And so this is what I mean for women with men is, is to um, become the great enchantress that, you know, um, the enchantress doesn't buy the ordinary story. She bypasses the ordinary story. And she makes a stand for the extraordinary. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. So she is that archetypal feminine goddess at the top of the mountain who says, if you want me, you must ascend. Because she stands above ordinary reality. And so to, to relate with her means to meet her there. And when you're on that date with that guy you met on Hinge and you're wondering if he could be the one, when you're making your online profile or you know, your, your profile for Hinge or Bumble, 
I want you to consider yourself the great enchantress and to hold yourself in such a way that magic pours out of every pore and to cultivate that sense of mystery and mystique and self-possession. Because that's what the great enchantress has. She is in possession of herself. And that creates incredible magnetism. Ugh. I could go on. I'm going to pause Ugh. there. <laughs> so, so delicious. Um, it's like I forgot about that word enchant. Enchant, mm. like enchantress and you even hearing that it like takes me into this whole feeling um that's so rich and i love what you said um the enchantress uses her energetic gifts to lift people into their own inner in innovation that's mm -hmm. beautiful and um there is a mystery to it doesn't need to be talked about. Here's what I'm doing. Aren't you glad I can do this? <laughs> In fact, yeah, talk less. Mm -hmm. Talk less, talk less, share less, process less about it. You think about the great enchantresses over time, like a geisha, you know, the geisha. Um, you could also call the enchantress the muse who plays her instrument you know, and it's the music that lifts the man out of his ordinary reality. Mm. Maybe it's her dance and her movement that lifts him. Maybe it's the, the fall of her red scarf across her breast that lifts him out of his ordinary reality. You know, this is very shamanic. You, you could consider the muse as also a shaman. Mm. It's the woman who's able to invoke an extraordinary reality. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I feel like I could, I mean, I think I could talk to you all day long. I mean, this, I, I'm enchanted. Most definitely. What did you do? <laughs> so enchanted. Okay. Um, before we hear about where everyone can connect with you on the interwebs, is there any last You've given so many different pieces, but I always love to open if there's any last little lingering thing to the woman who wants to have a baby and find mm. her man. Mm -hmm. Anything to seal it in. Mm. Enchant him. Don't hunt for him. Mm. Stop hunting. Mm. Mm. So good. Beautiful. And where can everyone connect with you online? And what mm -hmm. offerings do you have right now that people can join and sign up for? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, come play. Um, come find me at evaclay.com. And uh, I have a couple of free gifts for you. If you hop on over to my website, you can get into my world and we can start a relationship together. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Eva Clay, pretty easy to find me, unmistakable. And um, I'd love to keep talking. If you're listening to this and you're curious and have questions, then drop me a line. Hmm. It's good to know each other. Beautiful. And I will have all those links on the show notes to this. Everyone, you can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash Eva dash Clay to find those links and get the show notes for this episode. 
and uh, let us know what you thought about it by sharing on Instagram and tagging us both, going to the little audiogram on my wall or hers and leaving a comment, asking further questions. We'd love to hear how this supported you or served you. Eva, this this whole talk, this podcast has just been magical. Um, you are so wise and mm. um, knowledgeable. Like the your bio is perfect because it is making, you know, this all blending sexiness with smarts. <laughs> and um, you offer a very unique perspective with the science that I don't have often on my show. And I don't think the world has often of, of both all of this blended together. So I honor you and praise you for your magnificence and your, your skills and abilities. And thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Much love.